coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is like, you look all around and you see all this stuff and everybody's got stuff but me. Where's mine? Where's my stuff? What is political inequality? We live in a political world. Love don't have any place. We're living in times when men commit crimes and crime don't have a face. Is political equality about more than just who has what? We all know our society is economically unequal, but how is it politically unequal? Does government really represent us? We live in a political world, the one we can see and feel. But there's no one to check, it's all a stack deck. We all know for sure that it's real. How can we make sure our voices are heard? Our guest is Margaret Levy, director of the Center for Advanced Study in the Behavioral Sciences at Stanford. Political inequality. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. How do we stop politics from being a rich person's game? Would campaign finance reform be enough? How can ordinary citizens get a seat at the table? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you via the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today we're asking, what is political inequality? Well, I mean, that's that's easy, isn't it, Ray? It's when some people don't get an equal voice in society. They're, they're not represented in government, they're not allowed to vote, or, or their ballots are just ignored. Yeah, but that's not all that matters. Like. In fact, I don't think it's even the main thing. Political inequality is mostly about rich people abusing the power that money gives them. If you took the money out of politics, you'd solve a huge part of the problem. I don't know. I mean, politics isn't just economics. So suppose, imagine some kind of scenario where, right, where everyone has exactly the same amount of money, but some people don't get the vote. I mean, that wouldn't be fair, would it? It wouldn't be equal. Yeah, but come on, that doesn't happen in real life. Right now, it's not illegal for people to vote because of their race or their gender, but a lot of people's voices still don't get heard because rich corporations pay for political campaigns and they exert an unfair amount of influence over the media. Sure, legally, everybody has the right to vote, but money still makes us unequal. Well, actually, not everyone does have a legal right to vote. I mean, take me, for example. I just became a, a United States citizen last year. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm a citizen now, so that means I'm allowed to vote. But for years and years and years, I paid taxes and I couldn't, right? And, and in some countries, even citizens can't vote, like, like convicted felons in a lot of U.S. states, even after they've served their sentences and been reintegrated into society. And, and women in Saudi Arabia, they didn't get the vote until 2015. Yeah, okay, obviously all of that stuff is bad, and, and we should fix it. But I still think you're too focused on legal rights. Without economic equality, the legal rights aren't even going to make a difference. If you can't get time off work on election day, or you don't have a car that you can drive to the polls, why does it matter that you could theoretically go and cast your ballot? But, but the way to fix all of that is through laws, right? I mean, look, in South Korea, election day is a national holiday. We could do the same here. We should do the same here. Yeah, but what about people who have to work on holidays? It's disproportionately a problem if you're poor. All right, so just make voting mandatory like in Australia. Then employers would have to give people time off. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. 
employers aren't going to want to pay for that kind of thing. Workers are just going to get in trouble. They'll either get in trouble for not voting or for not showing up to work. All right, Smarty Pants. What's your big solution? We need to give people not just the ability to vote, but the ability to actually change what's on the ballot. In a lot of places, people are choosing between two rich, middle-aged, Christian white guys. Even if it's totally easy to vote, how is that supposed to represent everybody's interests? I don't hear you proposing a solution, Ray. It sounds like you're just identifying another problem. Okay, fine. I'll tell you some things I think we can actually do. First of all, we should remove barriers to voting. A felony conviction should not strip you of your rights for your whole life. And also, we should educate people about issues. And another thing, we should get the money out of politics. We can start with overturning Citizens United, which said that money is speech. I thought you wanted real-world solutions. I mean, good luck overturning Citizens United with the current Supreme Court. Okay, what do you propose? Well, I, I think the only way forward, Ray, is collective action. Yeah, great. How are we going to get that to happen? Well, I bet our guest will have some ideas. It's Margaret Levy, director of the Center for Advanced Study in the Behavioral Sciences here at Stanford. She's the author of Political Equality. What is it and why does it matter? Well, it certainly mattered in London in 2017. Grenfell Tower is a striking example of class inequality in Britain. It was a low-income high-rise that caught on fire and killed 72 people. Residents had been complaining about safety there for years, but no one listened. So we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to find out where this tragedy fits in with the history of political inequality in the United Kingdom. She files this report. Britain faces its biggest rail strike in 30 years. The summer of 2022 has been dubbed the summer of discontent in the UK because so many workers are on strike. If you are a Marxist, then you're into revolution and into bringing down capitalism. So are you or aren't you? In this segment of Good Morning Britain, Richard Madeley interviewed Mick Lynch, the General Secretary of the National Union of Rail, Maritime and Transport Workers. Richard, you do come up with the most remarkable twaddle sometimes. Now, I'm not a Marxist. I'm an elected official of the RMT. I'm a working class bloke leading a, a trade union dispute about jobs, pay and conditions of service. Trade unions may be striking now, but they aren't as powerful politically as they used to be. In 1978 and 79, a series of strikes in the freezing winter was called the Winter of Discontent. Berwick Street Market in central London. This 12-foot high pile is part of two weeks' rubbish just from the market. And this is the rest, piled outside the local refuse depot. Like others in central London, it's been closed now for two weeks because of the dustman's indefinite strike. The unpopularity of those strikes helped bring Margaret Thatcher to power. She went on to break unions, cut social safety nets, and privatize state-run industries. Under Thatcher, public housing was sold to private companies. We've moved from a welfare state that was really celebrated to a we-don't-give-a-toss state. That's Yvette Williams, a longtime organizer and co-founder of the campaign called Justice for Grenfell. She says democracy in the UK is untruthful. Money really rules the world and defines who you are and your place in it. The current strikes are one example of people trying to change that. The Grenfell fire is an example of what happens when certain people go unheard by political leaders. I think we're being sold a dud. And they are changes that can easily be made, but people never give power. They never give it up. 
you need to fight for it. And that fight is usually long, dirty and played with delays. Delay tactics are really useful in keeping people in their place. Residents in the Grenfell Tower lived in the borough of Kensington and Chelsea, one of the wealthiest areas in England. But the tower sits in North Kensington, one of the most deprived parts of the country. The fire started inside a kitchen and its combustible cladding acted as fuel. Residents were told to stay inside. Williams lives five minutes away and raced to the building at 1 a.m. We stood outside for absolutely hours. No authority turned up. No government agency made themselves known on the ground, apart from in emergency services. You can't unsee. You can't unsee, you can't unsmell, you can't unhear what you heard on the night. An inquiry into the disaster found that the government had failed to respond to warnings about the risk of the cladding years before the fire. The cladding was meant to help the building look more appealing to people on the outside. The council that owned Grenfell Tower later apologized for leasing public property for commercial gain, putting profits before people. It was predicted that something catastrophic would happen unless people started to listen to where they were. Those residents were deemed as labelled as troublemakers and agitators. Some people were threatened with eviction if they didn't keep quiet. Residents and community members like Yvette Williams still want accountability and criminal charges. In 2018, inspired by the film Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, they paraded billboards that read, And Still No Arrest? and How Come? Organizers held a silent jubilee street party to mark the Queen's 70 years on the throne by setting up 72 empty chairs. It's all very much dependent on political will. And if the political will isn't there, they will do any and everything to prevent change because change will not benefit them. Dozens of buildings in England still have the same kind of cladding they made the Grenfell Tower so deadly. As for addressing income inequality, a few years ago, a report from the Institute for Fiscal Studies warned that inequality in the UK was getting so bad, it was starting to catch up to the United States. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.